The Tragedy of Puddinhead Wilson by Mark Twain Narrated by Michael Pritchard This unabridged audiobook was produced in 2002 by Tantor Media, Incorporated, which holds the copyright there, too. Neither the recording nor any part thereof may be reproduced without the prior written consent of Tantor Media, Incorporated. Please visit our website at www.tantor.com for information on our growing list of audiobook selections. Mark Twain is considered the greatest humorist of 19th century American literature. His novels and stories about the Mississippi River, The Adventures of Tom Sawyer, and Adventures of Huckleberry Finn, won him a worldwide audience and are still popular with modern readers. Sensitive to the sound of language, Twain introduced colloquial speech into American fiction. In Green Hills of Africa, Ernest Hemingway wrote, All modern American literature comes from one book by Mark Twain, called Huckleberry Finn. As Halley's Comet reached its perihelion, its closest point to the sun, Samuel Langhorne Clemens was born in Florida, Missouri, on November 30, 1835. His father, John Marshall Clemens, was a moderately successful lawyer, a justice of the peace, and a stern disciplinarian of his children. Samuel's mother, Jane, had a natural sense of humor and was greatly affectionate, especially to people down on their luck. The combination of parental personalities would later be found in several of the characters in his novels. After his father's death in 1847, Clemens became an apprentice to a printer and wrote for his brother's newspaper. From 1857 to 1861, he worked as a licensed Mississippi riverboat pilot. At the outbreak of the American Civil War in 1861, Clemens chose not to get involved and moved to Carson City, Nevada. After an unsuccessful attempt at gold and silver mining, he joined the staff of a newspaper in Virginia City, Nevada. Clemens wrote his first popular story, The Celebrated Jumping Frog of Calaveras County, in 1865, under the pen name Mark Twain, meaning two fathoms in riverboat talk. He continued to travel as a correspondent for various newspapers, and in 1869 his travel letters from Europe were collected into the popular book The Innocents Abroad. Twain married Olivia Langdon and settled down in Hartford, Connecticut, to his most productive years as a writer. Between 1873 and 1889, he wrote seven novels, including his Mississippi River books, The Prince and the Pauper, and A Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court. In the 1890s, Twain lost most of his earnings in financial speculations and his own struggling publishing firm. His financial failures extended to his family, and he suffered through illnesses and deaths of those whom he loved. Twain's comment that the secret source of humor itself is not joy, but sorrow, 
became painfully realized. And by the end of the nineteenth century, Twain's writings reflected his dark view of life. On April 19, 1910, some seventy-five years after its last appearance, Halley's Comet again reached its perihelion. Two days later, Mark Twain died in his home near Reading, Connecticut. A Whisper to the Reader There is no character, howsoever good and fine, but it can be destroyed by ridicule, howsoever poor and witless. Observe the ass, for instance. His character is about perfect. He is the choicest spirit among all the humbler animals, yet see what ridicule has brought him to. Instead of feeling complimented when we are called an ass, we are left in doubt. Puddinhead Wilson's Calendar A person who is ignorant of legal matters is always liable to make mistakes when he tries to photograph a court scene with his pen. And so I was not willing to let the law chapters in this book go to press without first subjecting them to rigid and exhausting revision and correction by a trained barrister, if that is what they are called. These chapters are right now in every detail, for they were rewritten under the immediate eye of William Hicks, who studied law part of a while in southwest Missouri thirty-five years ago, and then came over here to Florence for his health and is still helping for exercise and board in Macaroni Vermicelli's horse-feed shed, which is up the back alley as you turn around the corner out of the Piazza del Duomo, just beyond the house where that stone that Daddy used to sit on six hundred years ago is let into the wall when he let on to be watching them build Giotto's Campanile, and yet always got tired looking as Beatrice passed along on her way to get a chunk of chestnut cake to defend herself with in case of a ghibelline outbreak before she got to school at the same old stand where they sell the same old cake to this day. And it is just as light and good as it was then, too. And this is not flattery. Far from it. He was a little rusty on his law, but he rubbed up for this book, and those two or three legal chapters are right and straight now. He told me so himself. Given under my hand this second day of January, 1893, at the Villa Viviani, Village of Settignano, three miles back of Florence on the hills, the same certainly affording the most charming view to be found on this planet, and with it the most dreamlike and enchanting sunsets to be found in any planet, or even in any solar system, and given too in the swell room of the house, with the busts of Cheritani senators and other grandees of this line looking approvingly down upon me as they used to look down upon Dante, and mutely asking me to adopt them into my family, which I do with pleasure. For my remotest ancestors are but spring chickens compared with these robed and stately antiques, and it will be a great and satisfying lift for me, that six hundred years will. Mark Twain <laughs>